Welcome to another episode of the Most of Musa podcast. Today I am with Alessia who is a really talented photographer. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you <laughs> for inviting. So how long have you been doing photography? When did you do you remember the first moment you picked up a camera? I do actually. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been doing photography like as like considering myself a photographer for like 10 or 11 years already. But I do remember my very first experience engaging with a camera when I was at a school excursion in another town and then I just had this, you know, like analog camera mm. and took some photos of the castles and surroundings and then we developed them and my parents noticed like oh they're actually super nice you you may like use them as like postcards and send to your friends or you know to some relatives and this is how my interest maybe evolved for the first time and then i've asked i've been asking my friend my parents to to buy me a camera but we were in a complicated situation at that moment and then i just saved my money and then when i was like i don't know 14 i bought my first digital camera and it was super easy and like small it was canon uh this is actually how i <laughs> um interacted with canon for the first time and i'm still using canon as my digital camera um yeah but i started using my digital camera and photographing my classmates as my first models at at my place basically so i put like a white sheet on the wall and uh, experimented with light and even like i prepared if they were like my classmates like girls i prepared makeup hairstyle like different clothes from my wardrobe and then i gave advice on how to pose how to react if you remember there was a time i mean maybe you are not <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, it was very popular uh, to watch those tv shows about top models yeah. like um, america's next top model mm-hmm. with star banks and i think that also affected me in a way because it was something that we could have looked watched um on our tv and i did that and it was so fun like the way they organized all the process of shooting and i think as a teenager had a lot of like inspiration gaze mm. from that so i experimented a lot so from the beginning you kind of um knew you were going to do portrait photography did you try um, like getting into other like doing some animals and landscapes and try different stuff or were you from the beginning did you have an inkling oh i want to do portrait mainly yeah that's a good question because um i must admit that i'm not an animal person in a way and uh, i think it was it would be hard for me that days to implement it at a good qualitative level because my camera wasn't that good enough to capture like animals on the move you know um in terms of nature yes and no but um also i think i was quite limited with my optics mm-hmm. and also not definitely not city landscapes because the city i came from originally wasn't inspiring at all it was a typical post soviet uh, town uh with a lot of um okay i cannot say rubbish uh, garbage but <laughs> mm-hmm. it wasn't colorful and it wasn't that inspiring for me 
Um, so yeah, I, I actually love people and I really like engaging with people and learn about people as well. So mm-hmm. my aim was to prove that I actually see people from a very good angle so they can feel beautiful in a way. Mm. Or like, oh, I like the way you see me or this is like, it was kind of, no, they said I'm surprised that I may still look good in photos like mm-hmm. that. No, I need to practice practice on that as well because mm. uh, I'm compared to other styles of photography I'm fairly new to portraits and I still need to learn like how to post angles and stuff because like I love your pictures and the way you even if the face of the person isn't in the picture their body parts are still very artistic and I love that fact about it thanks I think it's all about the light and it all comes with the practice Mm -hmm. practice makes perfect yeah Mm -hmm. um and portrait is definitely not only about your face, not about like uh, the head of the person, right? So it's also about the presence of a human on on the image. So uh, it can be body parts, it can be like typical portrait face, and it can be also a crowd of people. And it would be also it it it, it also portrays the way they look. So. Mm-hmm. Like a typical, if you watch like a YouTube tutorial or something, they would like mainly focus on capturing the eye and the eye should always be in the focus. And there's a lot of emphasis on capturing the eyes and stuff and the expression of the model. But if he's like, when you do something like a body shot, you capture the body language very, uh, very accidentally. And looking at your style of pictures, if I go through your feed, I don't know, each portrait feels very I feel like a peace and serenity kind of you know love or the emotions like each like pictures have emotions in them and your pictures are kind of like that kind of feeling with them when you did you develop this particular style when I moved to Sweden to be honest Mm -hmm. Um, okay I can say that when I scroll my works like from the beginning to current time I see the progress in terms of like the, my work with the light, but I think that people still look the same way, happy or just in uh, in the moment, you know. Uh, it's just when I grew up, I realized that I want to show not only happiness or like, you know, very easy to read emotions, but also going deeper into the um, emotional state of the person. It can be also like dreaming. It can be just contemplating or something something like that. But also, I'm sorry, I forgot what yeah, I wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think what I'm doing now, it's mostly covering people with the, with the light. Mm. I always describe my portraits as covered with the magic light because I think I found my mm, my favorite um, lightings like lightning schemes let's mm. say for the face for like different kind of faces and that's how I 
this is how I engage with the person at the moment. So I first study the light, like thinking about what is the best way to... Do you only use natural light or do you use artificial as well? I work only with a natural light for now. Um, and it's not because of my technical uh, issues, but also that was my best choice. <laughs> Just a preference, like I like uh, natural light as well. Uh, I think it's another perspective. I think it's much easier with an artificial light, but also it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a bit challenging to choose uh, the best option, like how to use the light that you already have. And recently mm, I faced even like with a complicated situation because I was shooting a woman with her daughter in her apartment and we were so hoping for the good light, for the sunny light, but it was super foggy and it was pretty dark. And then we just used windows and then one small lamp that the fr that a friend of this person helped to hang like to the, to the face a little bit, but not too close. So it's still like natural mm. and we've been managed to do that. Mm. Yeah, so I, I I really like to find those solutions. What kind of uh, camera do you have right now and what lenses do you use? Yeah, so I have uh, my digital camera uh, that is with a mirror. Uh, it's Canon uh, 5D Mark II, pretty common one. Um, and uh, I'm using, like, yeah, I have one standard Canon lens, Canon portrait lens with F1.8. And then is it a fifty millimeters? Yeah. Or? Uh -huh, okay. uh, and then I have my manual lens that I use most often. It's um, yeah, it's Helios, uh -huh. uh, and it's I think it has like fifty-five millimeters, or like slightly more. Two point eight. Um. Yeah, I think so. No, no, it's actually. It's around 1.28 uh -huh. as well. Uh -huh, okay. So it gives um, a unique light, I, I like from my perspective, because, you know, this Helios light gives this very nice, um, not like rounded bokeh, but oh, like uh, I have in that shape. Same. Yeah, I have that Helios as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the same, but I understand it's like a swirly yeah. kind of bokeh. Yeah, they are all the same. But I mean, even if you're not like using it for bokeh function, it's still another perspective on light mm -hmm. because it's like, from, from, my, from my point of view, it's like deeper, mm -hmm. uh, like as if you're going through the light. I, I cannot explain it, okay. but I mean, you have to try it if you've never done that before. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I also have, um, I think 70, no, 2270, how is it called? 2470? Yeah, not that good at technical options, but yeah, I have 2470. Uh, but I almost never use that. And also, oh yeah, I have a nice story about how I uh, came to a decision to buy my other digital camera, a pocket one. So I have now my pocket Canon camera that is also digital, but it also has like those amazing functions like uh, Wi-Fi and <laughs> like, you know, flexible screen and so on. And uh, once I've been working with the brand and they really wanted my selfies, uh, 
and this is something that I find really hard to do. Like I'm not good at selfies, um, but it was a challenge and I definitely couldn't use my main camera for that because um, it's very hard in terms of focusing and so on. So I bought the new camera for like 200 uh, euros from Blockit and then I used a mirror and then I shoot my portraits into that mirror, into that cheap camera, and they turned out absolutely gorgeous because of the easier, easiest way like of using this camera. I just press on the screen that is like with a, it's like a phone, but a camera, you know? Uh, okay, yeah. And I'm still using it for my own portraits and I absolutely love with the like absolutely love the quality. Mm. I don't need like those super professional photos of myself, but for self-portraits and for spying sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> I use this small camera. Yeah. And this is something that also I advise for other photographers to do, like always to have your camera, like your pocket camera with you if you have this opportunity. I've noticed with some other photographer friends of mine that once you start in photography, you want all the the most high-tech, expensive stuff, big cameras, big lenses. But then after some years of shooting, you're like, I wish I had something light just to fit in my pocket. And now I, I know a lot of photographers who have a, just a pocket camera that, which they carry all the time. But yeah, I think I need to get one of those as well because I usually have my R6 and it has a 24 to 70 lens which is a pretty big in on itself so I used to have a 50 1.4 which is like half the size of the 24 to 70 and it's still heavy but not as heavy mm. but then I lost my lens so oh no yeah I was doing a photo shoot I just forgot it somewhere I mean if you are perceiving yourself as a photographer who is actually doing like crafted photography okay I can't say crafted photography I can't say like when you really like to perceive yourself as a how to say physical crea creator you know engaging with some devices or post-production in terms of analog mm. developing then you should try this all and i also have my analog camera that is uh, that i absolutely like it's pentagon and it's from uh german republic back in times uh it's six by six uh so i need 120 millimeters uh film uh mm. that is super expensive and uh it's absolutely impossible for me to take it with me because it's super hard it's super heavy uh, I think it's like around two kilos. Or oh, something. Shit. <laughs> and it's pretty hard to use because it's pretty old and it's very hard to go into focus. Mm. Like you can just guess was it focused or not. You can just try, but if it's not, then oh, yeah. maybe <laughs> next time. And it's only only 12 shots. It's only 12 <laughs> possible yeah. uh, options for you. But... Um, some customers actually go for film only. That's super, super good. I wish I have also the Jack Room, 
like mm. I have this experience working in a dark room before uh, and I think something crafted is absolutely fun to do mm. um, but I actually like post-production in general like no matter if it's analog or digital I really this is my uh, meditation mm. <laughs> yeah I get that as well I like I enjoy the editing process and it's like a few hours and then I have a podcast in my ears and I'm listening while I'm doing work. It's kind of like a cozy feeling. And like, I, I've never been in a dark room to process pictures, but uh, I wanna, like it seems fun. But I don't get the all the craze about analog photography nowadays. Everyone is shooting analog and it's all the craze. I don't I don't. Yeah, that's it. true. It's a sort of fashion now. Yeah, I'm like... We have iPhone 10. Why are you still using iPhone 1? <laughs> yeah, I understand you. But also, sometimes people have to know that they put everything under control. And this is something that analog gives to you. But only in case if you do it all yourself. But if you just go and buy like a pocket, uh, I don't know, like yeah, Olympus and camera, and then you just shoot it when it's absolutely um, automatic you know those like you just press the button and then you just give it to to develop and then you get your photos mm. and then you don't have to edit them even because they're ready to use this is something like it sounds like cheating right yeah, but yeah. if it gives you like creativity and inspiration not distract you from the from being present at the moment to be able to p push the button then why not yeah, I mean, it's just like any other art. It doesn't matter if you use a cheap or expensive paintbrush. It's no matter what, what the result is at the end of the day. I think it matters only for the customers who are still living in the past century and judge you as a photographer by the size of your camera. Yeah, that's true. And I've faced with that, and I'm absolutely not on the same page with those people. But I actually understand why... For example, if you have to choose a photographer like between me, for example, who has a quite small camera and not like a huge lens that looks very professional, you know, and then with another person who has who is very like full equipped, then people may think, oh, more opportunities to do a better shot, maybe. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, I never faced with that in Sweden, but in my country, I, I did. Yeah. But what do you think when people say, "Oh, your camera takes such nice pictures?" It's like, I'm I like, what's my part in it? Like, it's not all just the camera, you know. No, people sometimes are curious about lenses that I use, mm. and then some people, like I don't know, professionals maybe they know that oh, if it's Helios mostly, then I realize why is it like why does it look so or not. And some people say it's only like post-production or something, but mm. like never ever anyone said it interface to me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, never. People have said that to me. Really? Yeah, yeah. They're oh, like, no. after like I did all the photo shoots, all the shoot, they love it. And then, oh, your camera takes really good pictures. And I'm just looking at them, really? <laughs> Why did you hire me then? Just hire anybody with their camera. Yeah, I've heard that a lot about iPhone. Like, if me and my friend going out and then they're like, oh, please use your phone because your phone seems so much better in terms of taking pictures than mine. And it's like, well, yeah, yes and no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like not at night, for example. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, iPhone works perfectly when you have to take a spontaneous photo on the street without people noticing you. Mm. Um, I've been posting recently some of my street photos, um, like from back in times, and I did them all with the help of my phone. And this is something like you pretend you're doing selfie, but yeah. in fact you're not. <laughs> and uh, this is how you can mm, capture dream, uh, dream emotions, I think. Yeah, it's kind of scary going... I love street photography, but I haven't done it in a while. But it's fun when you're doing taking a capture and the person suddenly looks at you and you kind of pretend, yeah, I wasn't taking pictures yes. of you. <laughs> yeah, it's super scary. Once I took a photo of the flowers, you know, the flower market at Gamlasan, and then a woman ran to me and I was like, show me, shut, show me what you've done. And I was like, well, I didn't take pictures of you. Like, I didn't think of that. And I was like, yeah, prove it. Just show me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. See, nothing in here. But um, in fact, you uh, like, it was my choice and I'm absolutely... Um, I have rights to do so if I yeah. if I want to, according to the law. I mean, um, you know what was also scary for me when I participated in a, a photo marathon mm. this oh, year. Oh, the Stockholm photo marathon. Yeah, and I took my small digital camera with me, and I really regret that I didn't go for a mobile photography. It would be much easier, but. Uh, it was so hard to do all those eight, I think, eight pictures, yeah? Uh, without, like, when you pretend you don't notice people getting angry when you try to photo them, you know? That was really tough and challenging for me because I would have done that with the phone much better, mm -hmm. I know. I, I remember one time I was taking pictures of some pigeons on the street and this old woman started screaming at me, stop bothering the pigeons. Oh my God, that's another level. <laughs> yeah. But have you always been like a creative person even before you started doing photography? Or you mentioned like you were really into like fantasy, Harry Potter and stuff. Do you think your like creativity kind of stems from there? I would say... I was always into hobbies. I don't know if that is something we can call create creativeness in a way, but uh, Depends I think on the hobby, I guess. Yeah, I mean, due to my parents, since early childhood, I was doing dancing and, uh, um, yeah, drawing. I would say, yeah, I attended some classes and then I grew up and had to quit, and then I had to do something else. And I, I was always into dancing mostly. And then when my camera, uh, when I got my first camera, I switched kind of way. But um, photography at those times was never like the only option for me to do. Like I was always interested in, into something else. Like I'm not the one who just chose to do something like only this and nothing more. Like, I really like to, like, recently I bought my ski shoes, so I go skiing sometimes. Or, I don't know, I do knitting sometimes occasionally, just this year. And then I'm, yeah, I'm still into dancing sometimes. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I have to take a ballet class. And then, <laughs> you know, it's all about, like, I think this is how also you get inspiration. Um, 
a bit from here, a bit from there. Um, I think I was never into like sports. Like I, I'm not like a fan of some kind of team or something mm. like that. I was never into music creation. Mm. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you have a lot of different hobbies. So and you read books and stuff like there are like different outlets of creativity you have. Like, I would say just different areas of interest, mm. but they it's it's life. I mean, yeah. we have to keep our minds hungry. Mm. But I've noticed in Pakistan, like people rarely have hobbies, especially when they're like in a adulthood, when they're at a working age. Uh, I think it's because of a third world country. There are so many things and everybody is in that like race to earn money and, you know, all that stuff. And they're like, people really have hobbies. And then I also talked to some people in Pakistan. They're like depressed and they don't know what to do. They feel empty when they come home after work. They feel tired. And I've noticed having a hobby makes a huge difference. If you need an outlet for like a different interest to just like engage yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think you need to have at least one hobby to survive nowadays. And it's also about priorities. Uh, if you have a full-time job, and of course, I understand you don't have enough time to go into something that you're really interested in. But it's actually so rare when your hobby becomes your profession, like full-time job. Um, and it's also hard to keep it if it if it became like that um, but I think if you have your hobby as a full-time job it can become annoying soon as well so that's why you have to um, still be pay your interest into something else as well mm. and also um, if we speak about photography like it's something about capturing from the world right and then the area that you are interested in i mean in terms of photography it also depends on your interest in uh, real life if you are into like music so you can become a photographer uh, of the music industry like of the musicians or a concert photography or something like that um, and i think that's absolutely great and this is how you also meet new people and these people give you creativity. I mean, inspiration that entails creativity. Yeah. Do you ever feel like a inspiration block when you no ideas are coming to you? Or you kind of like, you mm. want to go do photography, but you don't know what to do. And when it comes to that, how do you get over that? Do you just focus on other other hobbies or do you find different sources of inspiration? Okay, believe me or not, I've never ever had any kind of inspiration blocks. Uh -huh, that's great. I've only had a problem when I thought, okay, I don't have enough time to do that. I need to change something. Like, why do I go for work, for example, if I want to do photography, for example? And this is how I do, for example, when I worked somewhere else, uh, before uh, photography became my full-time job, I was like, yeah, I need to cut down my working hours here or I have to take a day off here to, to do uh, my photo job or 
if I have a creative uh, flow, then I asked my bosses to just allow me to do so. And sometimes, um, okay, I have this experience of working as a PR back in times, and that was so interconnected with the photography. And there, then my company allowed me actually to to do photography as a part of my job sometimes, like all those creative um, editorials, for example, or even some content for social social media. Mm-hmm. The only thing that actually annoys me is our dependence on social media nowadays. When you as a photographer publishing your works on Instagram, for example, and then this is something that keeps you doing um, photography only to post something. And this is something that shouldn't be like that. Mm. Uh, it's something that I am going to study as a, as a master thesis for now. Uh, then how we actually are dependent on likes and followers and other people's works. When you see, oh, this guy took an awesome picture and it became so successful, but I can also do something like that. And this... It gives you drive, and at the same time, it gives you the sense of self-useless in a way, because mm-hmm. your work wasn't that good enough to become such a popular piece of <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone's attention. Um, and I absolutely hate when I try to post a story, for example, only for the purpose of keeping my followers updated in a way. So they are not uh, leaving my profile if I'm not posting anything currently, you know. So I try to regulate that sometime, somehow. It's especially hard for me as a former PR because I understand actually the profit of that in the future. But yeah, it is what it is now. I think many photographers struggles with struggle yeah. with that. And in general, like creative people or bloggers for example uh, yeah i agree like it's not all bad they're like you can also take inspiration from posts like it depends on how you perceive it you can either take inspiration from posts and you can use social media to promote your work get more clients and but on the other hand if you're some other kind of person you can also become kind of jealous or you can feel like an inferiority complex kind of so it depends on how you use it I mean, jealous, jealousness in general can work as a stimulus for you, right? But it's very boring like uh, to reproduce photos in the same way like others. And this is something that I hate about Instagram. When you open this explore section and you see very similar content mm. and you know that, for example, your potential clients would be happy to do something like that and when they text you and say oh hi i would like to order a photo shoot in this way and you're like okay but let me also bring my own input into that uh and i mean i'm super happy that my clients were always satisfied with the result um like of my work but it's always all like almost always starts with that with showing someone else's works and then 
please do something like that mm-hmm. or my own works please do something like that and then i'm like am i stupid to reproduce my yeah, own yeah. work <laughs> oh i've seen uh, some people here in stockholm tried to uh do the same photo as i've done some time ago mm-hmm. and it was so much kind of similar but absolutely not the same for in terms of post-production <laughs> and i was like happy and annoyed at the same time <laughs> no i think you should be proud like uh, you're so good that people do want to copy your work yeah but you know it gives you like a weird sense like as if it's someone who admires you and hates you at the same time because it wasn't something like okay i understand other people's other people works as a sort of inspiration for you so you can say okay oh i like how you worked with the light here i may try something like that and if you do your own work it would never be the same you will just take it in a, a, as an initial idea mm-hmm. but if you try to do it step by step and like basically copy paste then it's a problem mm. then you don't allow yourself to see the reality <laughs> like mm. to like make your own in- input into that yeah I, i used to do that like i used to watch other people's posts and see how many likes they are getting and how many followers they have and even if i did a shoot for a model like i would when she posts my pictures on her feed i would say okay my picture got 100 likes but the other photographer who did pictures they got 200 likes so now i got so annoyed by myself there that now i turned off the option now i can't even see how many likes i got on my posts or other people got on theirs i just see okay people like this and then that's it oh also i'm doing i started to do that as well But sometimes I actually do double check. I so I go into settings and then mm-hmm. like, okay, <laughs> this is how I performed. But um, to be honest, I don't pay it enough attention to like likes, but to like saves mostly. Mm-hmm. So then I understand that okay, if someone saved my work, then it may work as an inspiration. Like because when you go to your saved in, on Instagram and then. It, it works as a sort of like board for your further mm-hmm. interaction you know i never really noticed that feature in instagram i never actually <laughs> seen how you save or if ever somebody saved mine i need to look into that yeah that's interesting but also be careful because you can become dependent yeah yeah i mean i think also it's important not only to use one platform for your um inspiration okay can i use some other word for inspiration <laughs> it's too much uh but also i mean i don't know maybe pinterest as well or some other photographers websites mm. um or even take part uh into like uh educational programs because something that is extremely important is to never stop learning and experimenting um I attended one course. I think it was like yeah, when I got corona, then it was two years ago in the very beginning of corona. I took a photography course uh and our coach said to us, "Okay, don't concentrate on Instagram. Instagram spoils the quality of your works. 
you may absolutely use other platforms or like other websites to show your works and still get appreciation from that and get clients from that. And that like gave me such a huge, uh, how to say, like inspiration, motivation to, to figure it out how to do that actually. It never worked, but this is how I created my first website on a professional level. And now I'm always asking my clients, like, how did you find me? Mm. Was it website? No, no. <laughs> so I, I'm figuring this option now. And also, I think it doesn't really matter if you're publishing on Instagram or not. It depends if your clients actually came from Instagram or not. Because if it's a target, they say, okay, I just need some new photos for Instagram, then it's a problem, then I cannot avoid that. Mm. But if they just for a personal use or other um, other sectors of their life, uh, then why not? Yeah, I think uh, every photographer should have a website or a portfolio, online portfolio dedicated just for their work. But even if photographers go to other platforms, clients mostly have Instagram. They're usually just scrolling through and finding photographers that way. Because it's important to see not only the style or your photo works, but also comments or who are those people who you like, who are your clients, uh, your friends, like if you're actually a good person. because if I have to choose a photographer, I will always check his or her social media. Mm-hmm. Because I only want to meet uh What do you mean? Like, people. what would you check on their social media? Yeah, I like Google for profiles. Because oh. I really want to know if that person matches my kind of character, you know? Oh, okay. Because uh, some people are extremely talented and really good at their work but they're not that communicative, for example, Mm. or they have some prejudice, for example. I don't want to meet those people because I can feel uncomfortable as a model, for example. Yeah. Did you start being a model, like a bit of, did you do a bit of modeling right when you started doing photography or did it come later? I think this is something that almost every girl go through at some age. I don't know. Um, most of my friends back in times were photographers or tried to become photographers so we photographed each other um i was so much into like photography of my friends and my friends took in uh, taking pictures of me so i became so tired of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i think it's something that i'm not missing and every time now when i have to do some selfies for brands for example it's a challenge for me but it's also nice because i grew up and i've changed and it's very interesting for me to study the way i look now the way i engage with the camera as a model and photographer at the same time that's it's very unique experience i think every person should try that to take as much like selfies as possible not only like your face um in front of the mirror but also body parts like or film yourself like it's uh, very good to your to the better understanding of your self 
yeah i don't even remember last time i took a <laughs> selfie <laughs> or a picture of me like sometimes i would like ask my friends to take pictures of me like just for if i need like a new profile picture or something otherwise i wouldn't i don't i never take pictures of myself okay think of that that if pandemics come comes back mm. then you are alone with yourself you have to do something you cannot uh, <laughs> like just put your camera on the shelf try to engage yeah. it uh, to engage with it and then be a model for yourself Or I have another idea. I have a big 800 mm lens. <laughs> I just take that and the model is <gasps> neighbors. Way far away. <laughs> neighbors. It's fine. Yeah, makes sense. Candid But... pictures of neighbors and they don't even know they're my <laughs> Not models. That's good from the lore perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Illegal. Yeah, I mean, or you can try also FaceTime photography. Well, yeah, I've done really some, that. I've done some sessions. That was cool. How does that even work? Do they take screenshots okay. of the screen? Uh Yes and no. You call to someone by FaceTime because for me only FaceTime as an app worked. Oh. So only with the, the iPhones. Or I know there are some apps now that provide you with this function and they actually have a button that makes a screenshot and it's a live button. Mm-hmm. So it gives you the opportunity then to choose like because it's like two seconds I think and then you choose the best moment. When a person, for example, blinks, mm-hmm. you can avoid that and choose something else. Um, I've done, I think, like three or four shootings. You were the photographer or the model? A photographer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once a model for a friend of mine. Wait, so how does this work? If we're doing, a, let's say we're doing a FaceTime... Uh, yeah, I just photo- tell you what to do. Please put your camera here and go there to that corner. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm just taking those screenshots that I need. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay. But uh, a person have to uh, be helpful, to mm-hmm. act normal <laughs> as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is one French photographer, uh, Lauren Castellani, who did great job um, starting with FaceTime and then further uh, because he had those contacts with professional models and he called them like from France to New York, for example, and they post for him on their balconies, windows, rooms. And he did so many great shots. And also like a lot of fashion photographers did that. And that was so inspiring. So, yeah. But I mean, very technically... Uh, mediated process. <laughs> no, I can imagine it can be challenging. But it's also you can do like international photo shoots just like sitting at your home. <laughs> True. <laughs> Mobility is our everything. Yo, damn, maybe I should get some clients in Pakistan while I'm here. <laughs> I think it's pretty hard to assure people that they have to pay for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe some Do some free shoots first, get my name out there. I mean, you're also depending on, on the quality. Mm-hmm. You cannot print those yeah. photos. It's just, I mean, it's okay for for Instagram. Mm. You need like a dedicated client or a friend who's willing to set up the camera and all that. Yeah, it's like someone who wants to order a photo shooting of you. And then you can say, okay, this option is cheaper. Mm. Or you can choose that without like meeting me personally. So that can become something mm. as an option. <laughs> Is there something that you now know in photography that you wish you knew when you were starting? 
That's a good question. <laughs> I think it was it took me a lot of time to change my camera to the better one because if you are not interested into technical aspects you can stuck for a very long time using only one camera as a tool and then you are a bit limited with those um, uh, tools that this camera provides you with and when I exchanged my cropped uh, matrix camera to a full matrix camera <laughs> it's like a new world so this is something that I really wanted to have that I really wanted to have back in times for example because this is just another perspective um, also okay another option that is not that obvious may maybe but it was a uh, a problem for me I uh, spoiled my vision so I didn't have a good vision for my eyes you know and then before I went for a checkup I didn't realize that it actually influenced so much on the way I see the world and then I got my uh, glasses and my lenses and then <laughs> the world became so much picturesque and like better into all spheres like I know because some of my friends some of my friends who are photographers are blind, okay? <laughs> like in terms of vision only, like physically. And I really, like I said to them, please buy glasses and see the world. It's absolutely new reality. It's better than VR. And they're like, yeah. How are they operating if they can't see? <laughs> no, because if your vision is like half good, half bad, mm. then you say, okay, maybe not that time, or I don't want to wear, wear lenses, like all glasses mm -hmm. and then I mean it's hard to get used to if you've never done that before uh, but it's of a higher importance for a photographer to see the world clear and to be able to notice mm -hmm. how yeah. bad is your eyesight are you wearing lenses right now mm. yeah um, like minus two okay yeah. but I have different eyes so mm -hmm. um, it's a problem for me to stay into like rooms for a long time or to edit pictures for a long time as well because my eyes my eyes are tight but hopefully mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't influence anymore on the on my works when i i noticed when i first started taking photography seriously and especially when i first started lightroom and started editing pictures seriously then I, when i would go out into the world i would like notice color more you mean I used you used before. black and white? No, no, no. Just like regular. Mm. Like even when I started doing photography, you know, you have like a different section for each color. You can turn the hue yeah. and the saturation, mm. brightness and everything. And and then when I notice when I go out, I notice more color like in the sky. I was like, oh, the upper layer. If I was taking a picture here, like the upper layer would be yellow. The middle is kind of reddish. I notice more color differences in my surroundings. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. I think something good for any photographer to know also when you have problems with colors, like just in general with color perception, and you think, okay, black and white is much easier, then you have to try this cinematic approach when uh, professional uh, directors, like in Hollywood, I don't know, use 
the dual color option, for example, uh, blue and orange, it's always a perfect contrast that is easy to perceive by your audience. Mm. And you are not, uh, <laughs> how to say, uh, you shouldn't use this like very obvious, but just a little bit to make your photos maybe more uh, contrasting, but not like in terms of brightness, but matching colors, like use this color circle to see which colors are um, diagonally matching, and then mm. it can be something. But I think it's always comes from experimenting and sometimes you have to just sit and dedicate some time dealing with Photoshop features or like Lightroom tools um, because it has so much hidden stuff. Um, I've never watched any single lesson, like tutorials um, on editing, but I really like the way I learned it myself, mm -hmm. to be honest. I'm thinking currently actually to launch my photo course for people who are interested into learning post-production as well. So I may teach them how to do it in the way I, I see the world, like uh, in terms of colors and also like preparing for prints and so, and so on. Do you sell your presets or are you planning to? I don't have pre presets. Mm -hmm. I don't use them. I um, never use pocket uh, editing. Uh, for example, if it's a huge work and I have like o over 1,000 pictures, I still do it manually. Yeah. I still go through any single picture and adapt colors in the way. Because sometimes if you move your camera a little bit to, the to a side and then the whole um, light has changed and then you have to adapt it from a new perspective. Yeah. Um, and I also really into retouch because this is, I think, very honest than customers or your models in general would love to look slightly better than in real life. I always hear from girls like, oh, I'm sorry, I ha have some issues. Like my face is not that good enough today. <laughs> Can you please do something about that? And I was like, absolutely, okay, yes. It's never too much from my side, mm. but a person shouldn't see his or her issues like worse than in reality. Mm. I think it's very hard to find nowadays in photography because people th say, okay, I'm not doing retouch. Um, it's not fair, but <laughs> to be honest, I think they don't do that because they don't know how to do it yeah. on a qualitative level. <laughs> I mean, I've had some experience with, uh, like, I was shooting this. She wasn't a model. It was more like a, a professional shoot, like CV pictures, like stuff like that. And the lady was super conscious of her, like, appearance. She's like, oh, I don't look good. And she just wanted to wrap the shoot as soon as possible. She didn't like being in front of a camera. And uh, she wasn't, like, a good-looking, objective, like, a person. Like, her face was fine and everything. But some people just don't have that self-esteem that they look good in front of a camera. Yeah. Or sometimes, I mean, like, I take pictures, like, really good pictures of someone. I know they're good objectively, but, like, the person wouldn't like them. They're like, oh, I don't like it. Delete it, please. <laughs> oh, I think 
if we speak only about like issues with the face and so on like acne um it's okay to retouch that like without being that deep like not the way people edited photos on in like year 2000 <laughs> but um if a person uh looks absolutely good without that you may leave it like that but you can also ask if you are if you are confident about like oh I may retouch a little bit here or there. You may ask for permission to do that if you want to. But to be honest, I never had this experience with the customers when they complain about the retouch or when they ask more or less. Because when they probably see my works, they know what result mm -hmm. they have to expect. Um, but I'm a bit dissatisfied when some other photographers take pictures of me and especially i'm i'm so sorry just for saying that but especially male photographers they don't i think realize how it is how is it important for women to feel confident on the on the photos and then even you know there are some features when you change a little bit like exposure and so on and if it's like darker a bit then your face becomes uglier like you have you see all the like the wrinkles wrinkles and, yeah. yeah and issues and you look a little bit worse mm. than than you are and this is something that i avoid in my uh, work um, but I'd, I'd rather never say anything about that to a person mm -hmm. and then retouch myself a little bit more yeah. and they never notice that's the that's the problem they never notice when i slightly edit mm. after um, so yeah, that's why I think it must be fun to launch such a course for people who are interested in that, like into learning retouch. Um, maybe I can give something to this world. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good thing. If you know something, you can like teach it to other people. I've been lucky that all the models I've worked with, we've had really good like communication during, before and after the shoot. They would always tell me, okay, this is my good side, can you take this? Or like, oh, I have a pimple today here, can you remove that? Or even post-production, they'll be like, okay, change this and this. Never Do you ever it. share raw pictures? No, no, never. Never? No, no. <laughs> never same here. Yeah, I, I always say, you just have to trust me. But I don't understand why people even ask for raw pictures. Like, I understand yeah. if it's a model shoot and you might want to edit yourself, but then when I do events, like birthday party, for example, you don't really need to edit a lot in the birthday party. You just need to capture the scene and the moment. Yeah. And people still want the raw pictures. I'm like, why? And the thing is, is most people don't even know that you can't open raw pictures on a regular computer. <laughs> yeah, so true. I'm always too lazy if someone like took photos of me and sent me both edited and non-edited. I was like... What I'm supposed to do with those stone edited? I don't need to have them. Mm. I don't have enough space on my laptop even to do that. <laughs> but to be honest, I'm so like okay of all styles of my pictures if they're like objectively ugly. Mm. But I'm still like okay, it's just for fun. It's for my own memory. Uh, but it works in a different way when I'm a photographer and take pictures of people. I will never show you your ugly side yeah, on the yeah. photos because I, um, I respect you and mm. this is how it should work. But that's work. hard to also 
um, it's hard to see like maybe if a photographer is, is taking a picture of you to him it looks fine but since you are more conscious of yourself you might think it's ugly uh no it it never happens with some time with experience if you are dedicating like if you take portraits of people every day you learn mm-hmm. how to know and notice like people's um fades and when 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 people are proud of themselves and which side they want to show you mm-hmm. or emotions you just put your intuition into that process i think no, I, i i'm just saying that if it's like a good photographer intentionally he wouldn't take bad pictures of you like it must be i think it's a matter of perspective that mm. for him it's a good picture it's a good side of you then what is good and what is bad yeah no then that's that's objective. what i mean yeah <laughs> to him it's good but to you it's like it's not yeah true uh, have you had any like really bad or weird experiences with clients <laughs> actually this is something i'm really proud of i've never had bad experience with the clients i've never had those situations when a client didn't come or canceled the very last moment or said asked me to redo something no but um when i'm listening to such stories uh, i feel so sorry and i really want to spread my own luck to someone to someone else like, i don't like to brag but i'm perfect nobody ever complains about me <laughs> but this is something also that i personally feel true if someone writes to me and asks and asks for a photo shooting um if this person doesn't or his or her ideas doesn't match my own view I never agree on that. Mm-hmm. So I don't go for like any job. I do only those works that I'm interested in, even for even if it's paid or not, you know, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then this helps to filter a lot. I think when someone go goes through your profile, for example, and scroll your works, if this person becomes interested into like your art and wants to order a photo shooting then it means that you are on the same page but if it's let's say <laughs> a tfp model who is modeling with every single photographer in your city i don't want to like work for that because for these um models it doesn't matter with whom to work with they just want as many pictures as possible in every single possible ways and they don't uh engage with your special creative side of as a person you know mm-hmm. and this is something really important for me i really want to like i wish it and be a sort of intimate with a mutual trust i like to admire people and i like when they also respect my art and wants to become a part of that mm-hmm. and also I do a uh, TFP sometimes. Um but it takes me a long time to ask for the girl for example to go out with me because I firstly like scroll profile and thinking and thinking and thinking and then sometimes I just get a random idea 
out of nowhere. And I'm like, yeah, I see this particular girl into this area and I really want to capture this. And then I'm organizing everything. I wish I knew that uh, in the beginning of me getting clients, how to properly communicate the boundaries and the rules of the photo shoot. It's like, the hardest. Yeah. It's the hardest in a photography job. Yeah, you're like, oh, I got a client. Yes, I'll just like do a photo shoot. You don't think about, oh, hey, what if they put a filter on Instagram filter on your pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. Like everything needs to be discussed beforehand. Especially about the price. And the price, yeah. And, and then you are like, okay, maybe the price seems too high or too low for a person, and they're like started feeling bad about that but then you understand that no it's okay this person person should understand that this is my job it's okay yeah it took me some time yeah to i don't know if you've experienced this but uh here in sweden if somebody a client i've experienced this multiple times if a client asks for a photo shoot or something a wedding and i give them a price let's say five thousand they will just say no and move on to another photographer. Mm. But from my experience in Pakistan, we have like a haggling culture, negotiate. Like if I say 5,000, they'll say, oh, let's do 4,000. I'm like, oh, 4,500. But I usually, when I started here, I usually did that. If a client says, uh, okay, I, I want to shoot, um, I want you to shoot my wedding and I'll give them a higher price, 5,000. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to give me a lower, we're going to negotiate, and we'll reach a middle point. But people in Sweden, they're like, 5,000, they're like, okay, I'll just find another photographer. <laughs> they don't try to negotiate the price. I had a very fun experience with one person that wanted to order a wedding photo shooting. And this is something that I don't really do. I do it quite rare. Only if I absolutely in love with the idea or with the people and I really trust and so on. But this person contacted me through my website, I think. And I don't know how he found my phone number, mm. like my private one. So he gave me a call and then he was like, oh, I, uh, to be honest, I think your price is too high. In London, when I came from originally, we can order photographers for 20 pounds per hour. And I was like, yeah, maybe for beginners is a good price. And he was like, no, they're so good and professional. And I was like, okay, but why haven't you ordered this kind of photographers for your wedding? Which was actually into in a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I have a wedding in a week. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a high time to search for a photographer. So we spoke for around 20 minutes and he tried to assure me that my price was too high and asked me to lower it a bit and I was like the price that I said to you was the lowest and if you want I can make it higher even because this is something that makes sense for me to take my camera go to the city take some photos otherwise it doesn't make sense for me anymore because I, I, I spend my time mm. <laughs> And then in the end, he asked me about my background, how I became a photographer. <laughs> what? <and laughs> then he said, you know, I work into marketing and then I can invite you like for my work, for my job project, mm -hmm. like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a good self-confidence ex confidence example. I have to be the same confident as this person. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to assure me that 
like about my own values, my own prices, my own career, let's yeah. say. This is wow. <laughs> and his wedding was in a week. He should be desperate to just get anyone, <laughs> but he's still trying to get a lower price. Yeah, and this is something that photography community actually helps to avoid these kind of people. Mm. For example, I have a friend of mine, she is a photographer here as well. And sometimes um same people text us at the same time. Oh yeah. And they don't know that we discuss these things between each other and especially about conditions and mm. prices and so on. Um uh, and when a potential client says, Oh, your works are the best, you're my favorite photographer to both of yeah. us and I'm like Uh, I mean, maybe do you have problems? You have to decide maybe something in your life. So this is something that is fun and tiring at the same time. No, I experienced that as well with some friends, and people send us the same messages. Or if they if he refuses, and then the person messages me, and then I ask him, hey, like because I see the followers, I'm like, hey, has this person like talked to you before? But uh, I felt like the photography community in Stockholm are very nice. Everybody like helps out each other. There's not like, hey, I'm gonna steal your clients. I'll oh, I'll offer a lower price than the other person. It's very nice. People are willing to tell you, hey, I I worked with this client before, and they usually take five thousand. So don't ask for lower price. Or hey, this client is hard to work with. So be careful. Like people are not toxic. Or anything, the community is very helpful. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't also afraid of stealing clients and so on because you all work into your own style. I don't need any other clients who don't want photos except for my style. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's why it doesn't make sense for me to work with them. But if your client decides to go for my style, then I, I, it's a pleasure <laughs> for me to to try. Why not? Yeah. It feels kind of weird sometimes when I see those Facebook groups where people like post, hey, I have a wedding or birthday coming up. And for example, if my friend posts on a comment that he's available, like I would feel bad for posting it because I don't want to, you know, have that competition. And then you press complain to this comment and then you <laughs> put your own comments and press like on it and then it goes top. <laughs> <laughs> Just report, <laughs> report his uh, profile. <laughs> Be bad photographer, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, Facebook groups. I have to unsubscribe of unsubscribe from half of it. Yeah. People so discuss really weird things. So <laughs> many scams and some other shit. Yeah. I mean, it's also uh, kind of weird when you have a very special event uh, in your life and then you just ask for random photographers hi can you just shoot mm -hmm. it i think you have to be more engaged with that you have to go into industry a little bit deeper you have to google like scroll profiles because it has to be something good i don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> that's weird but yeah it makes sense absolutely i had this incident a couple of months ago i think I uh, went to shoot this uh, male model and an actor. I was just supposed to make a video of him, like a small presentation video. And so his girlfriend was there, who's uh, his manager as well. So they rented a small Airbnb, Airbnb. And we went there, so we all just like, I'm setting up my equipment, they're taking off their jackets and stuff. And they have a small dog, and the dog 
peed on the sofa of the Airbnb. Oh my god! <laughs> so they like start panicking, start cleaning the pee, and uh, they put the dog like down on the floor, and then the dog shits on the carpet. Oh my god! <laughs> and then me and the model, we go to this other room, start shooting. And then the manager, the girlfriend, she's like trying to clean up everything using all kinds of perfumes. And then an hour later, when I'm leaving, the whole apartment still stinks like dog shit. That's worse. That's like a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! No, I don't have that, unfortunately. <laughs> my But, biggest uh, like I used to have a lot of anxiety if I'm shooting um, like a wedding or something, and then. Something happens with my camera or the pictures. I lose oh, all really? the pictures and stuff. I used to have that fear, oh, but okay. since now my camera has like double dual SD card, and I have extra batteries with me now. I'm okay, but before my camera only had one SD card. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really a must for a wedding photographer to mm-hmm. have at least two cameras on the shooting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I have. My pocket camera and my big camera with me always, so just in case I'm ready to shoot mm-hmm. <laughs> on this small digital camera. But thanks God, never happened. Mm-hmm. I think something that each photographer has to try at least once is to make a presentation to some businesses. For example, if your aim is to work with brands, businesses, or I don't know, bloggers, maybe you have to send them a message without. Uh, like any j- just for fun like you know like hi like I'm a photographer I'm doing this and that and if you ever need this kind of shooting feel free to to contact me or uh, if you have a particular idea already if this is like the brand that you are really engaged with and you have some vision you can actually uh, reach them and I don't know, make a presentation of that, and they can work with you in like in in future. This is something that happens to me sometime, but uh, something good about that that then it goes as a snowball. You know, you work with one organization, then with another, and then this is how you spread your uh, contacts, and people try to reach you after. Because you, be- you're becoming more into the sphere, you know. Mm. And one really important thing is also if you have if you have a good relation with a the client, they will always recommend you to other one of their colleagues or friends. That's you can always build a network like that. Yeah, yeah, makes tr- makes sense. Mm. This is something that happened to me recently. Um, I think. Um, yeah. One client of mine recommended me to another uh, person, and this person uh, launched her own book. And then she reached me and asked for my pitch, you know, like my self presentation for a minute. And I was so stressed out. I was like, "Oh my god, I've learned about that. Like that, this is something like from business sphere when people have to like." Be prepared yeah. for the elevators uh, for the elevator speech, but this is something that I was unprepared, and then I did it, and he was like, "Yeah, this is exactly what I'm searching for. Let's let's do that. Let's work together." And I did photos of her, and uh, 
some of the members of the of this project for her book and they turned out really nice and this is something that I'm really proud of I think they launched their book in spring and I'm looking forward for the yeah, presentation awesome. <laughs> uh, I've never worked for people's books <laughs> uh, but they would also use photos for posters and promo materials as a, like in the, in the PR nice. um, and this experience is quite unique for me mm. I think for a photographer it's one of the best feeling seeing your work on uh, like other people sharing your work whether it's uh, the sh- posting on their feed on Instagram whether it's posters or books just seeing other people appreciate your work is like really amazing yeah that's true this is something that makes your art valuable mm. in a way but also you're proud of yourself and then it's also a good sign that you are doing good and you are moving to right direction but if you ever have done self sense of useless or lack of creativity you just have to engage even more not like take a pause or and stop doing photography but on the other hand going deeper and learning and learning from others as well and be able to speak about that mm. with with people mm. because people's support <laughs> is a must it's something that helps you to survive there's a quote i don't remember specifically but something like you can't wait for inspiration or an idea to do something you should always be doing something and then the idea comes to you Like I cannot be just at home. Oh, I'll do a photo shoot when an idea comes. You should always be like out doing some things, and then while you're doing it, like uh, an inspiration or something might come to you. I've been to a course once when I was eighteen, and um, a guy who hosted the course said, "What is creativity? Creativity is your process of thinking." So there is no term such as creativity as a something like a gaze or like air that you are going to, you know, not like something invisible, mm-hmm. but it's something absolutely that we all have. It's your thinking process. And then if you think and think and think, you get this creativity. Mm-hmm. There are some techniques how to develop new ideas Um, I don't know, like uh, putting, writing down words and then go for synonyms and so on. I mean, you can Google for that. But it's always something, if you dedicate enough time to think about that. And also about the inspiration. Um, it all comes from learning from from the world around you. And you just have to be extremely interested into your surroundings uh, even if you let's say busy with doing something else you may notice some things mm. and also uh, some people asked me about aesthetics and taste because uh, this is something that people try to achieve year after year and this all comes from mm, the way you learn from others so you just have to dedicate so much time studying other photography or uh, photography pieces like 
art in general, or maybe design, journals, magazines, book covers. And then this um, taste fosters in your head. And then you just have this vision and go for that. I think it's the first time I explained <laughs> the way it works. I explained for me really least. well, yeah. I think that people, like arts and artists aren't appreciated as much because we cannot conceptualize creativity. We cannot conceptualize how hard it is to be original. Like you see, it's so easy to just copy someone or something and so many so much content out there is like a copy of something else or like an inspiration of something else it's, it is so hard to be original but it's, it's there, but i'm sorry but there is no such word as originality nowadays because we live in the age of mechanical reproduction every single uh, piece of art is a copy of someone else's art even if it's not proven but then just trust me it, it is so but then Another thing that you should be proud of your work if you've done it yourself, even if it's like replica or copy of another, because you can never do it 100% the same. It's still your originality into that. And if I, like, yeah, as I said in the beginning, if you take my photo as an example for you, if you even try as much as you can to, uh, to replicate it, it would never be the same. You probably have another model on or another conditions or something else you know but um, isn't that then that originality aspect into it no there is no there is no sense of originality the author is dead you know like roland bar say uh, the, uh, there is no author in our world when you finish your creativity when you finish your work of art it becomes independent people interpret their meaning mm. it, its meaning for themselves as they want to and you cannot say like and you you cannot pretend you cannot say that, oh, you should see only this sense into that. I, I put this meaning into that and mm. you have to because we're all different, right? But uh, all things that could be invented are already invented, right? Like we cannot, like you, uh, you can make a sound, but it would be still like from different sounds, like, you know, I mean, mechanically. Because mechanically we invented this all. There is no unique light that have never any, like that any other photographer ha like never tried, let's say. No, but they can find a new, completely new way to use it. I think they have already found it all. <laughs> you just have to do your own thing that you feel comfortable with at the current moment. And this is absolutely okay. What I wanted to... Um... I've heard this argument before. There's like a specific philosophical thinking that um, nothing is original in this world. Everything is just a copy. Like, yeah. like now we have this smartphone. Before this, it was like a touch phone. Before this, it was telephones and radios and walkie-talkies, whatever. Like, you can keep going back until there was like something else. Like, nothing is original. I don't think I believe yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, if we read philosophers on the photography like Roland Bard is the most famous one or like Susan Zontag they all speak about symbolic meaning on the, of the photography the way you interpret it and it's all about interpretation your personal interpretation but 
there are some works also on like if it's original or not if it should be original or not like yeah you can discuss it forever but i don't believe in that obviously i believe that our taste and vision we can foster ourselves ourselves but sometimes we just appear into that field when it fosters as its own for example if you if you i, I don't know born in france and spent your life living nearby the sea and so you've been surrounded by beautiful nature then you have this feeling you have this understanding of beauty around you so you don't have to foster this sense in your in your creativity mm. but if you've never experienced something like that as a child then you have to dedicate a lot of time to get into that mm. you have to learn this it's like you know we have mass taste and bourgeois taste like taste of elites let's say why do you go to the opera and other people don't mm -hmm. it means that you have something that you understand like why they do that you understand the the feeling of like something in this opera music touches your soul mm -hmm. and this is something that could be fostered this is how you have to be always open to the new experiences yeah and also another concept <laughs> no another interesting thing is when you have your leisure time you should double think about how you actually spend your time on the internet for example mm. or outside it because if you let's say decide okay should i watch this stupid comedy or this nice movie with a sense then it influences on your mindset in the future and then every single decision that you make influences in creativity in some time mm. and this sounds like a like a debate between free will and if if human beings have any free will or is it just like a are we just influenced by everything that we have like for example did i have free will to choose photography as a hobby as a profession or was i influenced subconsciously by my dad or my uncle who was a photographer or uh, when i was young i saw this wildlife documentary about uh, the amazon jungle i like the photography and that influenced me so is that really free will so you get what i mean it's like yeah. uh, it's hard to decide truly like people like religious people they believe less in free will while atheists would believe hey uh, like human beings have free will to do whether we can do to do the no, right thing we can do the wrong thing it should be your aim then i mean if your aim you s you sit down and say okay i want to learn better about this or that and then this entails into some actions right uh, so if you say okay i want to become i don't know a musician mm. you go to a music school or but of course i mean why have you decided to do that influenced by your society yeah. we, like by your social circle mm. but also you decide with whom you can communicate with like you choose your friends right if you don't like this person you will never communicate mm. right and then it's partly up to you but 
there are only several things that you cannot decide absolutely. It's your family with whom you spent your childhood with and also your uh, society, like, I mean, your school and, mm -hmm. you know, something that you didn't choose, but your parents did. Your name. But as a grown-up, you make decisions upon your life. Yeah. It may be highly influenced by religious aspects mm -hmm. or other people, but you can choose can choose those people and religion yourself and then become influenced by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, quite. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think there is a right answer to whether human beings will have free will or are we just everything is just influences and other like chemical imbalances or I whatever in our brains. Yeah. Take some political situation situations for example when there are some wars in some countries um, and then of course it's not a citizen's choice to become attacked mm -hmm. by others but it's up to them which side they want to take and if they want to escape that or not um, I know it's maybe easier for me to say like that in comparison with people who stuck into mm -hmm. like some circumstances but um, I believe you can actually choose and make everything possible that is up to you mm -hmm. to uh, to do your best to, to achieve the aim that you want to. No, definitely. You can't choose between good and bad stuff. But I'm just saying, while you're choosing that bad or good stuff, it's not 100% upon your free will. You are influenced by s external factors or circumstances to why you are choosing that specific thing. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I then think we agree on, but we're just talking about different things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your social circle absolutely influence mm. on you. So we started talking about photography and then we went into philosophical deep stuff. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, that's true. I wanted to add a little bit about the experience and also how I personally became a photographer. Because something important that I wanted to say that when I moved here, um, Sweden gave me a new feeling of creativity and a true photography like on a professional level I started to do in Sweden only and I think this is all due to the people's judgmental and basically that they don't have any judgment to you um, people admire your work here and they are very open about their emotions and they say oh you do a really good job keep going they support you in all different ways and these give so much drive mm -hmm. and it's like it's like a reward <laughs> but how is it compared to Belgium? yeah i think um when i tried to put it higher up like on a professional level apart from hobby i felt not that confident in terms of what I'm doing and there were so many creatives surrounded me and they always felt oh I'm not good enough I have to do my best to I have to struggle I have to like pretend I'm doing good but mm -hmm. in fact I didn't and even though some of my works I still like I think I did 
some of my best shots back in time, for example, I still see that I didn't feel confident enough to prove to someone or like to show my works to other people and then to say, okay, you see, I'm a photographer and you have to accept that. And uh, yeah, I think people are more judgmental in our society, like the society I came from originally. And I think we have much more photographers in Belarus that are into uh, business. And then, of course, business gives you power to buy new technical like options like lenses improve your cameras and so on and then you they leave you behind and then they say you have to be like us to achieve the result that we achieved so this is something that didn't allow me to go into that deeper but uh, into other sphere but yeah uh, it was still fun to do photography and also uh experiment a lot um no one in my family did photography so i didn't have this uh, influence by others but as i said it all came from um magazines that i read as a child like my mom always bought some magazines like fashion magazines and they were always nearby so i scrolled a lot and i watched uh, tv shows and like before internet appeared and um I had some friends who supported like my idea to experiment. So we tried a lot, we did a lot and we experimented with it all. Uh, the situation slightly changed when I uh, entered university and I met a friend of mine who found a really nice photography course. And then she invited me to attend this course. It was absolutely free and it was... Um, like like a local how to say like it was a very good studio for those who knows <laughs> for the sphere of photographers and all the Belarusian photographers I think went to that course in, like some time ago because it was a very old one and they had this classical school of photography so they did analog and they worked in a dark room and they also had a small studio for like studio experiments and you know mm. uh, some lights um, so me and my friend started uh, go uh, going for that course and when we started we were like I don't know we were 20 people or a little bit less but then we ended up only two of us everybody left? everybody left because um, the approach was very classical and those people were mostly teenagers who expected some kind of knowledge that would help them to to go like to go on top in terms of photography like just save me how to do the best pictures in the world and I will do that you know and we were interested into this process into the physical process and we had a fantastic teacher and I'm very thankful to him that he <laughs> uh, put so much input into us and uh, we did it all there and after time um, I think after two years of studying there we started to invite 
models for the studio to conduct photo shootings. We tried fashion, editorial mostly, and beauty shots. And he was, the teacher was always nearby, and he never ever commented. Like this type of personality as he had, um, never ever to comment on that. He never says, oh, it's good or it's bad. He was just there and he was just like into the process. And then I realized that the process is super fun. And even if you are not developing pictures afterwards, you had good time. And then, yeah, that approach I had <laughs> for so many <laughs> years, I think. Um, but we actually spent a lot of um, time there and uh, learned a lot and contributed a little bit, I believe, to the fashion um, industry. And then uh, it was time for me to leave uh, because I had to, s to finish my studies and to start like a proper work somewhere else. So I quit studio and then I felt I was so tired of studio work. Mm. I was so tired of artificial light and it was so too much glossy, too much like soulless how to say can i say that so i decided no i i stop taking pictures for now and i just do it for myself so then i took some years when i didn't do like photography on a professional level i didn't take clients i just went for shooting myself uh, myself and sometimes i just invited some of my friends to go for a nice shooting just for, like just for fun but I experimented a lot then with the editing and I just took a picture that I took like some times ago and then I edited in some different ways and this is also a very useful option <laughs> if you can do that you can try that um, and then yeah I felt all oh, it's all about camera I need to change my camera and you know I felt so much useless in terms of like technical issues but now i realized that i i wasn't right at that moment it, it wasn't about technical <laughs> aspects and then i moved here and uh, when i moved here i started to work at uh, zara home um, to improve my language skills to meet new people to earn some money as a new person here in sweden and my colleagues became my first clients actually became my first models because I didn't expect that Zara as an industry would have so many different and talented people they were so because if you work in this kind of sphere like retail you're always doing something aside all all the people go there like most of the people who go there they think oh it's just like for some time because I'm doing something else and you just need money or I will go for some studies and all those people were like that and uh, this is how I started again and they said oh just keep going you're doing so good like you have to continue doing that and then I was like yes I can do that I can do that so then I saved some money exchanged my camera to the new one the one that I wanted to have back in times and then I felt okay then I bought a new camera I can't stop mm -hmm. I have to use it otherwise it's not worth it yeah. 
Yeah, and then it must uh, have been a good place uh, at Zara. You can just like take any clothes, <laughs> put on your models. I work at Zara Home. We, uh, it's oh, about it's um, home interior, interior. Uh-huh, yeah. decorations, and, and stuff. I think uh-huh. it's much better for your for developing your visual taste because mm-hmm. they're actually selling nice stuff. Yeah. And uh, the most important thing about that was that my managers allowed me to develop my creativity. In a way, like, okay, they say, okay, here is the table for you, like it's empty, and we have some objects. Uh, you can fill it in the way you feel good. And uh, they did it so much time; they allowed me to do that, although I wasn't working there as a visual merchandiser or something. But I got some experience from that, and I became so much better than I was before into like decoration and home interior and. I became addicted, mm. like I bec- I'm becoming Swedish, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, and then after, I mean, they had to uh, close the store, and then uh, I had to go for another job, so I went to a normal Zara, mm. like a clothing store, so I was working in a men's section for some time, and it was also good. I mean, I was always lucky with my colleagues. I never had, like, this bad experience of, like, oh, she's a bitch, or, mm-hmm. like, you doing wrong, or, like, mm-hmm. why are you here? Maybe people thought that about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then um, I went, I entered the university that I initially wanted to do. Um, so I'm currently doing my master's in media and communication. So um, I didn't have enough time, and I had to quit. But then I, th- I, th- I, th- uh, I thought, oh, it's high time to develop photography. Like, it's the best time in your life when you're a student. Mm. We have classes. We, okay, we had classes only once a week or once in two weeks. So I had plenty of time about of that. I mean, of course, I have to do some studies yeah. and readings and writing. But apart from that, you're free in, in your choices. Mm. <laughs> so then I just started it. Uh, like, I concentrated on my photography like as never before and yeah <laughs> now here you are <laughs> uh, yeah and here uh, here i am do you remember the first like paying client you got paid client yeah oh that was so long time ago oh you do mean in sweden wherever in sweden or once you yeah in sweden let's say the first time someone paid you to take pictures Oh my god! I need to yeah, scroll my works to. <laughs> I I I did so much, uh, so I yeah. don't remember even. No, I remember the um, first time someone gave me. It's a. Um, I have a friend, and she had like, f- a cat and like five six kittens, and they paid me. Her family paid me to take pictures of the kittens. That's, wow. To invite a photographer to take photos of cats. Yeah, because they wanted to give away the cats, I think. Ah. So they wanted to advertise the cats. Nice. No, I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't, don't remember, remember actually. <laughs> but I think it was scary for the very first time in Sweden to have a client when someone asked me for a price. And I wasn't that familiar with the industry here. I didn't know prices, ratings and stuff. So, of course, I didn't charge much. And... Uh, I mean, I googled, but it didn't help. And then also, oh, yeah, I had an experience um, when I moved here. And then I thought, okay, I 
need a better understanding of, of how photographers work here. So I went to one of these Facebook groups and I said, hi, I'm a model looking for a photographer. Okay, that was a little bit a mistake because a lot of people actually contacted me and <laughs> I had to clean all my chats afterwards. Um, but I found a photographer and we met for a shooting and he was such a nice person and very kind and I asked him like all the aspects that I was curious about. Um, so he probably... Kind of like an undercover <laughs> photographer <laughs> yeah. trying to get information. Yeah, oh my god, now I feel sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, but how to do that if you are new, to, yeah. like in a new country and you need this experience? Um, I think this is the only option to be yeah, honest. Yeah. And then I met some other photographers and then I asked them, like, I mean, as friends, and then I asked them and then I got to know that all people have different approaches to that. And some people, they're very confident about their works and the prices that they put on, uh, even if they are like too high, like from my perspective, or too low, but they are very confident and like, yeah, because this is like my ideal, let's say, price or my comfort zone. Yeah, I think it's also, I don't know if you're faced with this as well, that sometimes you have clients that like from time to time order photo shoots from, from you. But then as soon as you're growing, you change the price like higher. But this is your client. Yeah, <laughs> and you yeah. don't know if you have to charge this person bigger mm. or is it like discount, let's say. And I always feel so sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't find a solution for now. Yeah. <laughs> Please reach me if you have a solution. <laughs> I mean, you can always just be upfront about it. Like, hey, like last time I'm, I was charging this, but now I've increased my prices because, I don't know, my work is better now or stuff like that. No, because you're close. Like, because the clients that you work a lot, they become so close to you and yeah. you don't want to lose them. Because of this capitalistic society, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you also have to pay you rent. You also have your needs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they should understand. Like you have your bills to yeah, pay. Yeah, you know, once I had even an idea to, like, publish, some kind of post when I said when I would say, okay, this is me. I'm a photographer. These are my works. But currently, I really need to change my lenses, let's say, or cameras. And if you feel f like okay about that you can contribute a little bit to that so here's my switch <laughs> you know so because i've seen some people do do that when they're actually having an, some ideas but they are really lack of mm -hmm. uh, money to to develop it so they are looking for support mm -hmm. um but well, i'm not brave enough for, to, for doing that i have a friend and he uh, I, I can't remember the specific thing he wanted to get money from but he wanted to buy a new camera and then he also wanted to fund his uh, trip with the national geographic they were doing something in south america mm -hmm. so he just like um, he just printed out and was selling his prints and that's how he got money and most of his clients were like his friends and family who just wanted to support him and oh that's nice mm. yeah this is actually what i also like to do for example some of my friends they are artists and I really admire their art and I really want to support them. So I'm, I'm actually buying their art mm -hmm. um, and do some orders 
um, like once my grandmother um, had her anniversary and she was always dreaming of having like a good painting on her wall so I just purchased it from my friend uh, without like asking even to decrease the money uh, the price I mean so and I feel so good that I really helped them because uh, art artistry job is something that they really enjoy I mean it's not like as fast as photography but more concentrated and so on so you just let's say buy their time to work on this art and enjoy the process no I love like I would get my friends if they're writing a book I would get them if they're selling a painting or a picture I love supporting like my friends and that's how it should be it shouldn't be like People assume, oh, if just your friend, oh, uh, uh, can you do this for, for, for free or can you do this as a favor? But like, you know, like I have to pay bills. So you should be the, yeah. f- the friend should be the first one to offer you money or something. Do you think if you want to have your own book one day, like with your photo works, for example? I never thought about having a book. I've actually thought about writing a book. Or like exhibition. <laughs> yeah, exhibition I've thought about having, yeah. But I'm not sure about what because I have like I do so many different kinds of photography. Mm. I'm like, what would I even like when I think about an exhibition, there's supposed to be a theme or a story that all the pictures yeah. follow. But it's hard for me to choose what should I do on. But I have actually have this idea that, for example, if I take a bunch of photographers, you, me, two, three other photographers and we rent a hall and we all contribute and post pictures and if we invite Mm. all of our friends and family and then people can also buy and mingle and connect and all that yeah but then it's even harder because of the different ideas and genres and like it's hard to unite all the pieces under one genre that is normally like a, a theme, let's no, say. No, it doesn't have to be the same theme then. You can have like, okay, this corner is dedicated to this photographer. Um, they have their own theme. This corner is dedicated to this but photographer. But then it's just like sharing space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's also something about sharing the studio because it's pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like for eight hours and you don't need so much time for yourself. And then you just like invite someone else like, oh, let's share together if you want to. Mm. Do you know that Koknos Thurnet, the big uh, tower in your garden? There's like, you can also like, uh, it lights up and you can change the lights of it. If you stand in Slusen, you can see it. I ah, see yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll show you a picture later. On the and square. You'll, you'll recognize it. No, no, it's like in the middle of nowhere in your garden. But it's a very big tower. You can see it all from Slusen. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so I think so. So actually, on the top of it, there used to be a restaurant and a bar mm-hmm. and also it was free to just have an exhibition there of your pictures mm-hmm. so a couple of my friends did there and then I approached the person and they said oh we're just stopping we're just shutting down the whole restaurant okay, yeah. uh, I know that you can contact actually like the commune the place you're living mm-hmm. and then they may allow you to go for the local cultural center yeah. to do that mm-hmm. um and some places are even like free of charge, mm-hmm. but the only thing that you have to print your own works. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still, mm, I'm still not sure about if I really want to print my works or not, 
because because of the climate changes. I think it's not that um, sustainable in a way. Mm-hmm. Only if it's like reused paper or mm-hmm. something like that. And also, I think it's so popular in Sweden to print your works and then to try like try to sell that. Mm-hmm. That I'm afraid I will also lose this game. In and also like no one ever asked me like oh do you do you print or like do you sell art yeah it's very rare to like people i sold like in the beginning i advertised that i'm selling so a few of my friends bought a picture but then later on i don't think people really ask because there's so many like free stuff on the internet i can just google print out any picture you, you know yeah but at the same time when you go to some stores and they sell like you know those typical arts that people put on the walls and they're so ugly mm. and you're like well please just invite photographers and they will make it better mm. so much better than you just have some kind of tasteless i think there are a bunch of cafes in southern mom where you can just ask them and they will hang hang your pictures and maybe yeah. you can even sell them there yeah but then you can have to print them yeah and they have to be good and <laughs> this is something also hard to you Or printing that isn't confident. that hard. No, I mean, to be that confident that you can actually print a lot of your works and they are, like, engaging with each other and they express your vision enough and, mm-hmm. you know, something that makes you feel proud of. Not mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, I just printed that because I don't have anything better mm-hmm. or, you know. I think it should be fun. Like, I believe in, like, having prints. Like, some pictures I have, I believe, can only be good once they're printed really big. And some pictures mm. I have, I can think they can only be good when they're printed small. I have actually an idea for my exhibition, like for my potential exhibition. I, mm. I'm not promising I will have one. But if I have, um, I have such a clear concept. Mm, I cannot say about it for now, but <laughs> mm-hmm. you will be invited if I have one. Yeah, we should announce it first on this podcast. Exclusive. <laughs> Yeah, I will let you know, and then you will announce <laughs> it, and then, yeah, this is how it works. So, what advice would you give someone starting their business in photography, someone new coming into this market? Yeah, mm, very stereotypical one, but don't be afraid. We all been new one day <laughs> for that, and be open to the new experiences. And don't think too much about technical aspects. And try to notice things around. And try to reflect your vision into your creativity. Um, And be thankful to people who support you. And to those models that you photograph. Be respectful towards them. That's it, (laughs) probably. That's I may say advice. something smarter next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is solid piece of advice. I wish I had that when that was starting. <laughs> I mean, I sure you have some, but mm-hmm. maybe it didn't make sense those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Some things we can understand only after time. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> And sometimes you don't need advice. You just need to learn things on your own. Sometimes, like, I feel like even when I was starting this podcast. People are 
people who have never done a podcast they really listen to podcasts they're giving you advice oh man you should do this you should do change this about this and have this 20 minutes long blah 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 i'm like what did you know about podcasts you never talk you never edited a podcast you never you don't even listen to podcasts like and i think sometimes you just need to go through the process your own and definitely whenever you're starting something new you're going to make mistakes so don't let that hinder your you know your motivation to just keep on going yeah absolutely right don't be afraid to listen to some professionals in the sphere you are into but don't listen to people who uh, who don't have any clue about mm-hmm. what you are doing mm-hmm. because it will just influence on your mood mm-hmm. that's true well this was an amazing conversation thank you for coming Thank you. It was I really enjoyed. Yeah, me too. Everybody go follow Alessia on Instagram and visit her website. I'll leave the link on the description of the post. Thank you for listening. Peace be upon you all. Bye-bye. Bye.